We want to talk a bit this morning about this, the wow factor. <laughs> Have you ever heard that phrase? There it is right there. Have you ever experienced the wow factor? You're like, okay, come on, it's a sermon. What are you talking about the wow factor? Well, we're talking about something that you either experience or see or are given that when this happens, the only expression you can have is, is wow. So we're talking about things that maybe you've seen. Uh, maybe it's the, the enormity of the Cascades or the Great Rocky Mountains. We were, we were stationed the last five years in our church. We were part of a church that was right in the direct heart of the Rocky Mountains. And you walk out and it's like, Wow. God did this. The wow factor. Maybe it's the coast, the sunset at sunset, the beach at sunset. You're just sitting there and all you can say is, "Wow." You ever been there? You ever experienced that? Um, maybe it's uh I mean so we're talking about um, God's natural wonders. I mean, maybe it's the waterfalls at Yosemite. I can't wait to go see those. Maybe it's the geysers at Yellowstone. Something you've seen that you just sit back and say, "Wow." And maybe it's not a natural wonder, or, or maybe it is a natural wonder. Like, uh, parents, I think one of the greatest natural wonders in our lives is when we walk into our kids' rooms and they're actually clean. <laughs> and you sat there, and kids, that's the best way to give your parents a heart attack, right? You walk in, and wow, what happened? Okay, what did you do with my kids, right? Maybe it's not a, a natural wonder, maybe it's a, a natural phenomenon or natural disasters sometimes we call this. Um, we're talking about what Redding experienced this last year. Um, Friday talking with author Gorman about his experience over at Mercy Medical Center and just watching this fire tornado come within like I think he said two blocks of the hospital and they're just sitting there think, thinking wow this thing is powerful. It's massive. You don't just come up with this in your backyard fire pit, although that could be where it starts, but this is massive. I mean, we're talking about Hurricane Michael down in Florida. We're talking about the floods, tornadoes through Tornado Alley. We're talking about natural disasters, and sometimes you step back and you say, wow, similar to a parent stepping into the kid's room after it was clean, and five minutes later, it explodes, Wow, something happened. That's something you see. There's other natural things we see, the wow factor experience. It's things we receive. So not just things we see, but things we receive. Things of value. I love, I mean, our kids every once in a while love to jump on YouTube and watch the, the different clips, you know, that they assemble. And one of them that's awesome is to see the ex expressions of people after they receive that ring they put on their ring finger to say yes. The wow, yes. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the kindergarten kindergartner receiving um, bicycle at Christmas, looking at that gift and wow, mom, dad. Maybe it's the sixteen-year-old gets a car for Christmas. It don't matter if that thing is a, a rust bucket thing that barely can make it from point A to B, right? It's a car. It gets me there. Yes, wow. It's something valuable you've received. Maybe it's an investment or, or, or maybe it's an early inheritance check or something of that nature. And you're just sitting there thinking, wow. So the wow factor involves things we see. It involves things we experience. 
uh, or sorry, valuable things we receive, it also involves things we experience. Have you ever experienced something and you're like, wow, I got to do that again? <laughs> Maybe it's the first time you get up on the wakeboard, right? Or the first time you make it down carving the mountain on the snowboard. Or, or maybe it's just driving through Lassen Park or somewhere like that and you're just enjoying your time. This is, this is an experience. You've enjoyed this. And we can go to any number of experiences that you've been part of in your life that you said, wow. So when we think of the wow factor, we're talking about things we have seen, things we've been given and things we've experienced. Well, I want to tell you, that's, that's not too far from the passage we're going to read today. And, and I don't want to read into the text, but I want to say, you, it's, say to you, it's almost like the Apostle Paul is talking to this church in Ephesus and saying, hey, it's time to wake up and realize the wow factor about God's grace. This is something we experience every day. This is something valuable that you've been given. This is something that with tears in your eyes you can look at and say, wow. This is a church, church of Ephesus that most likely was established by a couple, Aquila and Priscilla. This couple who loved God with all their hearts most likely gathered believers together and said, let, me, let, us, let us talk of Jesus. And by God's grace, see a church established. This church, Ephesus, and the Ephesians here we're studying, this is a church that we talked of a bit last week because the Apostle Paul came to this church and for three years talked of theology with this church talked of God's grace and mercy and kindness from the Old Testament texts of scriptures, walking into the truths that we see in the epistles. The Apostle Paul unpacked this for three years with the church of Ephesus. This is a church that the Apostle Paul left, and he left, as we talked last week, his son in the ministry, Timothy, to continue to disciple young people, and or disciple people. And as First and Second Timothy says, to hand on the gospel of the word to faithful people. That's this church. In the Bible that you hold on your lap, you see that this is a church that struggled in a huge way with people that would come in and try to enamor the body of Christ with a, with a false theology. These are called false teachers. And the Apostle Paul constantly came into the church and said, no, 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 this is the scriptures. This group of false teachers that came on tried to enamor these people with other, uh, as, the scripture, as the scripture says, myths of theology. Other things that kind of look enticing, but they didn't compare to the gospel. And the apostle Paul kept coming to them and saying, well, hold on. Don't be enamored by this. Let me share with you the wow factor of the gospel of grace. That's where we're at in this passage. If you think through the scriptures that's on your lap right now, the church of Ephesus is actually mentioned in the last book. Do you remember this? One of these seven churches mentioned what happened in this church. This is a church that didn't heed the Apostle Paul's advice. They didn't embrace it completely. They knew of the gospel, but they didn't completely embrace the wow factor of the gospel. Why? Because in the book of Revelation it says they left their first love. This is this church. This is the church that we find the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 saying this. If you would look with me at verse 4. We're going to study verses 1 to 10 this morning. 
But if you look with me at verse 4, Paul says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. And I want to just kind of insert that very possibly in this, in this point in the passage, in the text, it's almost like Paul is stopping and saying, by grace you're saved. <laughs> Don't forget, it's by grace you've been rescued. Verse 6, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by what? Grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What is Paul doing here? He's giving a basic wow factor reminder to the church of Ephesus. A wow factor reminder of how amazing God's grace is. So what are we doing this morning? I'm going to tell you what we're doing this morning is simply reminding ourselves of how awesome God's grace is. Why do this today? Well, here's why. Because this foundational type sermon, it's going to be a simple sermon, just walking through these 10 verses, this is going to be a foundation for years and years of sermons on God's grace. Constantly, we'll go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and talk of the elements of God's grace in our life. We're going to constantly refer back to how grace is enough to save us, but it's not just sufficient to save us, it's sufficient to grow us to guard us and to guide us, we are constantly going to run back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So I hope you're ready to hold on this morning as we take the next half hour now and walk through how amazing God's grace is. But let's start with this. Just so we're on the same page, what is God's grace? What is this grace? I mean, there's a lot of different definitions that you can come up with and theology books or commentaries or whatever the case. I mean, you can Google grace and see what it says, right? And a lot of us, in, when we're younger, we hear uh, the acronym, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's, that's a really, that's a massive part of grace. But you know what? It's not all of what the scripture teaches of grace. So what is this grace? I put there on our handout this morning a general definition that we'll talk of often. This grace is an undeserved and unearned gift. Now, highlighted gift. So kids there, you can write that gift there in the blank. It is a gift. And let's continue on with the definition. It is a gift of favor, of new life, and enablement. What are we talking about? It is favor with God it is new life through Christ, and it is enablement through the Holy Spirit. So what we're talking about is the work of the Trinity in the life of a believer. They're all involved in this grace that we're talking about. It is unearned and undeserved kindness. It is a gift. And this gift is favor, it is new life, and it's enablement. I want to just highlight quickly, though, this word gift. Pretty much any time... I don't want to say unequivocally, but 
anytime you go through the New Testament and you find this concept of grace, we're talking about the word gift. In fact, in your thinking, sometimes you can actually substitute the word grace for gift. It is getting something, it is receiving something that you in no way deserved. When you're talking through the epistles of this grace, you can take this word grace, this concept of grace, and say actually the word gift. So I want us to think of grace in terms of God's gift to us. This gift, I want us to just walk through now and see more of what's said about this gift. God's grace is so amazing. This gift is so amazing. Why? What is the wow factor? Let's just walk through these verses. Let's see, first of all, in verses 1 through 3, why this is so amazing. Here's why it's so amazing. God's grace, the wow factor of God's grace is so amazing because it interacts with our extreme problem. You're like, okay, great. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. God doesn't ignore our extreme problem through Adam. The problem, what are we talking about? We're talking about sin. We're talking about rebellion against God. What is grace? Grace is the fact that God didn't ignore us in our time of need. How do we see that in this scripture? Well, look with me at verse 1. We find the first element of our extreme problem. He says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. What's the first aspect of this extreme problem that we have? Anyone that is born into this human race through Adam, Romans 5 clearly talks of this, anyone born into this human race is part of this rebellion, this sin against God. I mean, if if you try to deny the fact that you're born a sinner, then all you have to do is think about the decisions you made this week. (laughs) We made decisions of rebellion. Anyone born into the human race has this problem. And what is the problem? Paul pinpoints it there in verse 1. You are dead in your trespasses and sins in in which you once walked. In other words, you were the walking dead. (laughs) Think of it that way. We were physically alive but spiritually dead. Now I want us to think just through way of illustration a little bit more of this concept of dead. Spiritually dead. Because this is massive in Paul's discussion of grace. What are we talking about? Well, through illustration this week, um, we were driving down to a birthday party in uh, uh, Anderson, a Friday night. I'm driving, and I noticed these things on the side of the road because uh, back where we lived in Colorado, they were all over. But uh, I noticed uh, a deer beside the road, one of those black-tailed deer, and it was it was dead. <laughs> And we kind of joke around in our family a little bit, you know, trying to make light of it and say, well, that's an awkward place to take a nap, (laughs) right? Why did that deer fall asleep there? Or the cat or the dog you see, you're like, why is it sleeping there? Well, the fact of the matter is that animal was was dead. So think of it, let's advance this illustration a little bit more. What if on the way home, I'm like, hey guys, guess what? I found us a pet. (laughs) It's awesome. I know it's kind of not very active right now. Um, but I'm going to stuff it in the back of our SUV and take it home. I'm going to take it home. I'm going to put it in our mudroom, and this deer I throw on the ground, it just flops down there, you know, blood coming out of its ears and its mouth. And I think, you know what, it's awesome. I'll just give it a little bit of water, and I'm going to feed it and give it some food. And in the morning, it's going to be piped back up. It's going to be ready to go. Kids, we have a pet in our house. 
This thing's going to destroy our house, this deer. For whatever reason, you have a deer for a pet. But at any rate, this thing's going to have new life. I'm going to tell you, as many nights that I give that thing water and food, hoping it'll get up in the morning, it's not going to happen. Why? It's dead. But I'm going to tell you, there's a seriousness in the New Testament scriptures about our condition before Christ. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're spiritually unresponsive to the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, that, that's not the only problem we have. If you can advance to the next problem found in verses, the last part of verse uh, 2, it's this. We follow the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the spirit, sons of disobedience. What's our next problem? I, it kind of analyzes three problems here. Here's our next problem. We're enslaved to Satan. I mean, that sounds really bad, but it's true. Those who haven't come to Christ are enslaved to the prince of the power of the air. And who's the prince of the power of the air in the scriptures? It's Satan. Uh, Paul calls him, or actually John calls him, the ruler of this world. That's this Satan. And according to this passage and other passages in the New Testament, what's our problem? We were yes men to the wicked one, to the master deceiver. He was guiding us according to his deceptive plan. This is Satan. Um, We could say more about this, but Satan has enticed the natural man into his ugly trap. And what's a massive problem for those who are not in Christ? Here's the problem. First of all, First of all, the problem is that we're dead in sins. Second of all, the problem is that we're enslaved to Satan. Can you look with me at a third problem? What's another problem we have in this passage? We'll look at verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. I'm going to tell you, this now introduced here is the worst of all the problems. I'm about to read the worst of all the problems. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What's the problem that we're reading in this text? Here's the problem. You, first of all, were dead in your sins. Second of all, you were enslaved to Satan. You were yes men to the deceptive one. Now, third problem here in this passage is this. You were objects of God's holy wrath. We cannot ignore the holiness of God. And when he looks at rebellion of mankind, it is standing affront to who he is. His holy, righteous, just uh, justness has to deal with this sin. I'm going to tell you what the amazement of God's grace is. That God in his holiness doesn't ignore our extreme problem. He interacts with it. This is the wow factor of grace. That God, in his kindness, doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just leave us in our extreme problem. We see God's grace in Genesis chapter 3 at the beginning of our Bibles. In Genesis 3, we find the first mention of the gospel. That after Adam and Eve sinned, guess what? God promises a rescuer will come. Will you look with me at some further aspects of this amazing grace by looking at this second one? Not only this amazing grace does God interact with our extreme problem. Here's another one. God's grace is so amazing because it displays God's mercy and love. It puts it on display. 
The wow factor. Just a minute ago, we talked about the wow factor being things we experience, things given to us, or things we see. What do we see now because of grace? We see clearly God's rich mercy and God's great love. Paul clearly highlights those two things. Why is grace so amazing? Because we get an open window into more of who our great God is. More of his perfections and attributes. This God who through his grace now showers us with mercy and love. And I love the terminology here. In theology, sometimes we call them power words. (laughs) These power words. This rich mercy. We're talking about an abundance of mercy. An abundance of God not giving us what we deserve. So quick time out. I'm going to tell you, if I got what I deserved this week, it'd be a huge problem. And a lot of times we feel entitled to life, but actually we're enslaved in this life prior to Jesus. And if we really got what we deserved, it would be massively ugly. What do we find here in grace? We find the richness of God's mercy. How does Paul say that? He says, but God. Here's your problem. But God. Who is rich in mercy and his great love wherein he loved us. This God who showers you with love. This is sacrificial love seen in Christ. And he's given you mercy. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve today. That's the beauty of this grace. What is this grace? This grace doesn't ignore our extreme problem, this grace puts on display the attributes of God. Here's more of the wow factor. Number three, this grace is so amazing because it transforms our standing before God. Okay, kids, I know you're like, what was he saying? Here's what grace does. Where before, if you were to stand before God's gr- God in all of his holiness, you would have no standing just like, I mean, there's, there's similarity. We're not going to go into this. Similarity to standing before a king. Standing before this king and only being invited. Someone with the rags of, of, of uncleanness could not stand before the king. And now through Jesus, our robes have been changed. We're now we're invited to, kids, stand in front of the king. Stand in the king's presence. We now have an audience with the king. And how does Paul explain the amazement of this aspect of grace? Well, would you look with me at verse 4? Actually, sorry, verse 5. We'll go right to verse 5 and come back to 4. It says this, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. I love this. So if you think back to verse 1, what was our massive problem? What was the first problem mentioned? It was what? We were what? Dead. So now, after verse 4, where God stepped in with his rich mercy and great love, now what is our standing before God? We went from dead to alive. That is the first blessing of this grace. Can we go now to the second blessing of this grace? This grace takes us, verse 6, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
What now has happened because of God's grace? We went from enslaved to Satan, the deceptive one, now to being a son of God Almighty. We are now, we went from being enslaved to honored in Christ's presence. What's the amazement of God's grace? Well, let's keep reading. The amazement of God's grace finds us in verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches. More power words in theology, right? Immeasurable riches of his grace in his, what's the next word? Kindness. We went from under the wrath of a holy God to now showered with blessings to the kindness of God. The overwhelming kindness of God. Why is grace so amazing? Here's why God's grace is so amazing. And I just want you to want us to think through this text. We went from dead in our sins, but God, to alive in righteousness. We went from enslaved to Satan, but God stepped in to now son of the king. Why is grace so amazing? Because in this text, we go from slaved. We go, from, we go from dead, and now the worst problem of all is we're under the wrath of God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, and with, which he showed to us, we go now from wrath to kindness. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, this grace is amazing. It completely transforms our standing before God. Can we go on quickly and see two other aspects of this grace that we like to talk of this morning? This brings it down to some practical aspects. This God's grace is so amazing because, number four, it is received by faith and it is void of human earning. This is phenomenal. Here's the point. You cannot make God give it to you. (laughs) Just flat out. You cannot earn this grace. This is received by faith. And where do we find this? The text of scriptures that we learned when we were little kiddos, right? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It is received by faith. Full trust in God that he's got you. I don't got me. He's got me. It seems like we heard a sermon sometime recently about that, right? He's got me. He has my eternal destiny through Jesus. This is the beauty of grace. The wow factor of grace says, I can't make God love me more. He's brought his grace upon me and showered me with grace through Jesus Christ. And now how do I interact with this grace? It is through faith. Just place my trust in this God through Jesus Christ. It says clearly that this is void of earning. Verse 9 says this, not a result of works so that no one may boast. (laughs) Clearly this is saying, as Ephesians 1 says, if you back up a chapter, this grace is to God's glory. Three times in the first 14 verses we talk about the glory of God and grace. This grace that God gives us is about him blessing us with something we couldn't earn. The, the beauty of this grace is the fact that it's received by faith to the point that now if, I, if I've received this grace from God through faith in Jesus Christ, 
and this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but I cannot make God love me more, and I cannot make God love me less. Do you understand that? It's something for us, it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around that. That God's grace is sufficient on our account. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this grace is amazing. There's a bit of a wow factor here to this grace. All right, let's look at the last one here this morning. We could talk more of each one of these, but I want to go to the last one because this is so important in the concept of grace. Uh, To introduce this point, I like to just say this, that sometimes in our minds we think of grace in terms simply of the redemption that happens through justification. In other words, at salvation. Grace is sufficient to bring me into relationship with God. And I want to say the overwhelming theme in scriptures is this, that God's grace is not just enough to save me, it's sufficient to grow me. It's sufficient from start to finish. That is this grace in the scriptures. Would you look with me at verse, verse 10 and let's see this come alive. This grace that expects ongoing transformation, here it is. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this because it clearly doesn't say which God before, pre- uh, prepared beforehand that we should have a great time sitting on the couch and watching. No, this grace says we take steps in growth. That is this grace. This grace doesn't presume upon God. This grace takes action towards obeying God. That is the beauty of the New Testament grace that we find here. We are his workmanship created for good works. When you talk of workmanship and created in Christ Jesus, what passage comes to mind? Probably one in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says clearly that we are his new creations. We're new creations in God. Brothers and sisters, he drastically changed us that we now would walk in newness of life. That is this grace. I'm going to quickly wrap this up, but talk about the fact that walking in this grace means we now walk in a different type of work. It's good works. And and I want to clarify this because here is the massive distinction between other world religions and cults and biblical Christianity. A lot of religions will say we are saved through works. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is clearly not the case here. We are saved not of good works, but unto good works. Do you see the distinction? It's not getting the cart in front of the horse. We are saved by grace, void of good works. However, because we've been saved by grace through faith, we now live differently. It's the... the, imperative that has an incredible motivation behind it. We walk differently. So, this morning, as we wrap this up, why is this grace so amazing? What is the wow factor of this grace? I'll tell you, here it is. Grace, in review, interacts with our extreme problem. Dead, enslaved, under the wrath of God. God's grace, this wow factor of God's grace displays God's mercy and love. We get a picture into how amazing our God is. The wow factor of God's grace transforms our standing before God. 
where now we can stand before him and kneel before him in his presence, realizing that we have been clothed with the robes of Christ's righteousness, not the rags of our sins. What's so amazing about this grace it is received by faith, void of human earning. We can't make God love us more. We can't make God love us less. That's the beauty of this grace. And we continue on with this thought that God's grace expects ongoing transformations. Brothers and sisters in G Jesus, the beauty of this grace is the fact that we cannot in any way improve our standing before God, but we should in every way be voted, devoted to this God. That is the call of this grace that leads us right to this key idea. God's amazing grace must be received by faith and enjoyed through faithfulness. What is the sphere in which we enjoy God's grace? And I know this gets into some really fun theological discussion. What is the sphere in which we really can enjoy God's grace? I'm going to tell you what it is. It is obedience to his word. This is how we truly enjoy God's grace. I want to end the sermon this morning with, with a massive so what. So what? How is this going to make any difference in our lives this week? And, and honestly, how is this going to make any difference in how the word of God is presented in this pulpit? Well, I'm going to start with this. Will you receive this gift of God's grace? I don't want to take for granted that as I look through this group this morning, that there are ones here that have never come to Christ by faith. You think about your life, and a lot of your life has been directed by, if I just do enough right, I'll be able to make it. I'm going to say the scriptures clearly denies that. Why? Because of the problem of verses 1 through 3. As hard as you try, you can never conquer the problems of verses 1 through 3. The only way you can handle, uh, the only way you can navigate through this is by verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. When we were dead in sins, Christ died for us. That is the only way we can receive this gift. So the question is this, this morning, have you received this gift? Through illustration, I like to think of it this way. Um, I love Christmas time and birthdays and the gifts we give to kids. And there's so many different reactions. You probably noticed this as a parent or grandparent, right? You see the different reactions to this receiving of gifts. Uh, very clearly, some of these kids will look at this gift, and they will see this gift, but it wasn't in the shape they thought it should be. You notice this? The wrapping wasn't in the right shape. I mean, it's like when the parent wraps a baseball bat, right? You clearly know what that is. All right. But it's something that they weren't expecting, and so sometimes that gift is set aside. And, and maybe right at the end it's opened up. <laughs> All right, that's the first response to a gift. There's another type of gift response where the kid will actually open it and kind of look at it in the package, whatever that toy may be, and just kind of leave it there. And the parent's like, oh man, I thought they'd really enjoy that gift, <laughs> right? There's another response, a third response, where now the kid pulls off the package, uh, the outer packaging, actually opens the inner packaging, and plays with, with, with it for five minutes, but then you might as well give it to the goodwill, because they're done with it. You understand what I'm saying? There's another type of response where a child will rip off the packaging, the, the outer packaging, 
will actually open into the inner packaging, will see this gift, and will love this gift, and receive this gift. And you know it's a home run, right? Because five years later, guess what? They're still playing with this gift, and they interact with this gift on a daily basis. I'm going to tell you, of all those reactions to the gift, the last one is the biblical response to the gift of grace. God's grace is not meant to just be set to the side and acknowledge that it's a gift. Maybe there's some here today that have acknowledged that God gave you a gift, but you've never interacted with that gift. God's gift is not enough just to open up the outer packaging and say, hey, that's kind of cool. Christ died on the cross for my sins. That's not the biblical response to gift. God's gift is not even this, to open the packaging and to embrace it for a couple minutes and set it aside. There's clear parables about that in the scriptures. What is the biblical response to God's grace? I'm going to open it. I'm going to tear into the inner packaging. I'm going to receive it as my own. Five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. It's just as new as it was the first day. I love this grace. I love this gift. And my question is this. Have you received this gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? Have you received the gift of God's grace? Now, there's some in your life right now that you have received God's grace. Maybe some in this room 15, 20, 30, even 40, 50 years ago. You remember the time when you came into a relationship with God through grace. And you've grown in this grace. There's some of us in this room that kind of need the new wow factor, a renewed wow factor. I mentioned a minute ago that where we lived in the mountains, we were surrounded by uh, 14ers, they were called. 14,000 foot mountains. And to be honest with you, when you lived there, sometimes you just kind of took it for granted. Where after a couple years, you drive away and you come back and you're like, whoa, no kidding. There's beauty around, all around us like that. And I'm going to tell us, sometimes, and I would say, I would promote this, every day we should interact with God's word with that wow factor. Wow! I want to mention this text I received this week. There was a couple that Hannah and I have been talking to, a dear couple, a couple we love, and they, they had some, some real struggles this last year, uh, some, some choices that really started to tear apart at the marriage in, in a huge way, and they were working through that. We were working through God's grace and how God's grace can heal. And they're close to our family, close to us. And uh, I received a text. Hannah and I received a text this week. And here's the text. This person and this couple said this. For the first time in my 41 years, I think I'm beginning to understand the power of redeeming grace. Until you have completely walked the road of brokenness, it's, it's almost impossible to truly understand I'm not thankful for my sin or for sin. If I had to do it over again, I would not choose this path, but I can honestly say I am thankful. I now have a very, very different understanding of God's grace. I will forever be changed in many, many ways. But I cling to the cross and will forever rejoice and shout, Hallelujah! What a Savior! That's a text I received this week. What am I talking about? A believer who's known Jesus for years, looking at the amazement of God's grace and saying, wow! Brothers and sisters in Christ at Cross Point Community Church, this grace is amazing. Will we walk in this grace? So God, that's the prayer of our hearts. I want to thank you for the amazement of this grace that you didn't ignore our problem. I praise you, God, that 
in this grace, we see windows into your massively beautiful attributes and perfections. I want to thank you, God, that through this grace, you've transformed our standing before you. And I want to thank you, God, in this grace, we couldn't earn it. I want to thank you, God, that in this grace, you've transformed our lives from beginning to end. Thank you. I thank you that we have an eternal blessing because of this grace. And I pray, God, that we as believers here at Cross Point Community Church would be so overwhelmed with the daily wow factor of your grace. As your heads bowed this morning, your eyes closed, or however you'd like to pray this morning, would you just enter into a couple minutes of prayer? Would you do this? Would you just simply thank God for his amazing grace?